book of Amos in the Old Testament. And there's a strange verse that says that God had prepared for Israel a basket of summer fruit. Summer fruit means that it's perishable. Uh, you either get it in the summer or you don't get it. I think there are some blessings that are in the basket. And I know it's vacation time, and I know it's, and I want everybody to enjoy your family and enjoy your life and enjoy this summer, enjoy getting out again and going and traveling. But I want you to remember concerning God's house that there's summer fruit. There are things that I believe God wants to do this summer that he's already prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And he's got summer fruit. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to get my summer fruit this year, this summer, this summer. This summer matters to God. And I love him today, don't you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell the choir we love them. We appreciate them. God bless you. God bless you. Find me. I'll let you find me. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Sing it right where you're sitting. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. I love you, Lord. There is no one else. You deserve the glory and the honor. So we lift our hands in worship. As we lift your holy name, you deserve the glory. I give you honor as we lift and we praise for you. There is no one else like you. You are great. Oh, Jesus, I praise your matchless name today. There is no one else like you. Then sings my soul. 
everybody then sings my soul my savior God to thee how great thou art sing it one more time would you lift your hands right where you are and praise him? Oh, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. You're a healing God this morning. You're a miracle-working God this morning. There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing that will be impossible with you. So I praise you. I praise you for your greatness, oh God. Oh, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. a great praise this morning. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. God bless you. You may be seated. I love to praise him. I want to share something today that I've never shared in this church. I've shared it at other places, strangely, but I've never shared it at this church. And it's a different message. It's a teaching, but it's so important. It's so critical. And there are times when God gives me like a strong message and I know what I'm, you know, supposed to bring and how I'm supposed to bring it. And then there's times when the Holy Spirit lets me choose. <laughs> and you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, this is preacher stuff. But I'm just telling you, there's times when the Holy Spirit says, you preach my word whatever you feel, and uh, I'll back it up. And this is the word of the Lord today that I'm going to declare to you. I want to preach today on the secret to blessing, the secret to being blessed and even prosperous in every area of your life. When a church, when a nation, when a family, when an individual decides to bless Israel, the Bible teaches that a supernatural blessing returns back to that nation, back to that family, back to that church. The secret to prosperity and blessing is given in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. God said, 
Genesis 12 and verse 3. I will, everybody out loud, talking to Israel, talking and speaking of the nation of Israel. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I know that's Old Testament, but that is a covenant promise for every family, for every church, for every nation, that if you bless Israel, God will bless you. The Pharaoh in the time of Joseph in Egypt, when Joseph was in Egypt, he understood this principle. And that's why he told Joseph and his family, the first Jewish family to be on that Gentile soil of Egypt. And he said to them, I'm going to give you the rich farming land of Goshen. I'm giving it to you, Joseph, and to your family. In doing so, he was blessing the beginning of the nation of Israel. Why did he do that? Because Joseph interpreted a dream. He saw seven fat cows, seven skinny cows. He understood that the seven fat cows were years of prosperity and blessing, and seven skinny cows represented a famine that was coming, and he needed to prepare Pharaoh in Egypt for the famine. Joseph was given complete control of the economy of Egypt. And the Bible said that he saved Egypt and the world from starving to death. As a reward, Pharaoh said, I'm giving you, I'm blessing you and your family with real estate, with land. And this blessing will be the land of Goshen. And Joseph, during the famine, made Pharaoh, the richest man on the planet. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. Do you remember what he did? He charged for the food, and then he bought all the real estate with the food. And the only one that prospered during the famine was a guy who had a Jewish guy working for him named Joseph. His name was Pharaoh, and Pharaoh became the richest man in the world under that situation the most powerful nation in the world became Egypt because the leader of that people blessed Israel. You remember when Mary and Joseph were being pursued by Herod, trying to kill their baby, the infant Jesus. They fled to Egypt. Why did they flee to Egypt? Because during that time, the leadership was still honoring and blessing Israel. The Bible said there arose another Pharaoh in Egypt who did not know Joseph, did not like Joseph, did not like the Jewish people. And the scripture says, I'll bless those that bless you, but it also says, I'll curse those that curse you. He enslaved the Jewish people, this new Pharaoh. He made their lives miserable. He drowned their sons in the Nile River when they begin to populate too much. And what you do to the Jewish people, God says, I will do to you. 
Pharaoh drowned the Jewish sons in the Nile River, so God drowned the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. The most powerful dictator in the world and his entire army became fish food in one day because he cursed what God had blessed. Psalms 121 in verse 3 says, He that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And God is watching every nation, and He is watching every family, and He is watching every church to see how they treat Israel. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Iran better be careful. Russia better be careful. Syria better be careful. The United Nations better be careful. America better be careful. The president, the Congress better be careful because how you treat Israel is how God will treat you. God sent 10 plagues and he wiped out the economy of Egypt with things like flies and lice. God has ways and means committees that you cannot even imagine. He can send frogs and destroy an economy, destroy it, level it. The most powerful, wealthiest military and economy wiped out by 10 plagues. The wealth and military of power of Egypt disappeared overnight. The same thing happened to the Babylonian Empire. Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful king and had the wealth that we cannot even imagine. But he cursed and attacked Jerusalem. And when he did, God said, your days are numbered. And the same thing that happened to Egypt happened to the Babylonian Empire. The same thing happened to the Roman Empire. It looked so powerful. It had conquered the world. It had the greatest military. But when they attacked and crucified, Jesus participated in that. That empire has come and gone. The same thing happened to the Nazi empire and Hitler when he wanted to exterminate through the Holocaust and killed six million Jews. Today, Hitler and all of his Nazis lie in a boneyard of history, but Israel is still alive. Jerusalem is still standing. And there's a remarkable story in Genesis chapter 30 that says God blessed Laban in his personal business. There's a man by the name of Laban. He was a Gentile. And God blessed Laban because he hired a Jew named Jacob. Jacob's name would be turned by God from Jacob into Israel. God renamed him, and that was the birth of the nation of Israel. But when Laban began to hire and give a job opportunity to Jacob, the scripture said that his business began to explode and prosper. And he lied to Jacob and changed his wages, lowered them 10 times, although he was making more and more and more while this man ran his business. And finally, Jacob came and said, I'm resigning, I'm leaving. You've promised me a raise 10 times and you've cut my pay every time, even though I produce more and more and more. 
And do you know what the Bible said was Laban's response in Genesis 30 and verse 27? He said, I have learned by experience that God has blessed me. Stay if I've found favor in your eyes, for I've learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me because, the King James says, because of you. <laughs> because the Lord has blessed me, a Gentile, because I had you on my team. My business has grown. He blessed me because I blessed you. And Jacob started out, the scripture said, with nothing but a stick. And when he finished working for that man, he had so much wealth that the Bible said he could not keep up with his cattle, his sheep, his gold, and his wealth. God changed his name. Why did God bless him with all that stuff? Because he was about to start a whole nation. And you need some resources when you're going to start a nation. In Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, there is a remarkable story. There is a centurion who had a servant who was sick. And the Gentile expressed his love for the Jewish people and for the nation of Israel. And even the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, please go heal his servant. And he said back to them, why should I do that? I, Jesus was still operating as a, a Jewish rabbi. A rabbi cannot, could not go to a Gentile's home and pray for anybody in there who was not Jewish. And they said to him in Luke 7, he said, you should pray for his servant because he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Isn't that an amazing verse? Well, why should I, Jesus, why, why should I go pray for him, Jesus asked. And the response was, he loves our nation and he's built us a synagogue. And Jesus said, I'll go. And then the man said, no, you don't even have to go. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And his servant was healed the same hour. When Gentiles start to bless the nation of God and start to bless the nation of Israel and the Jewish people with acts of kindness, the heart of God is moved toward that house, that place, that people. I will bless those that bless you. I want to tell you, all of you, what you do when you support this ministry I went to Israel a few weeks ago and I dedicated four uh, community centers that are reinforced bomb shelters that, that uh, serve there. There's one of them. And this is what I did not know. And this so blessed me and all those people that I, I just don't have time to tell you. There's, there it is in the back. We built that building. It's just beautiful. And they have, but they have also turned them into on Saturdays their synagogues. And so we built, I didn't realize it, and I was standing there and I thought, so you're telling me that you use the big open space as a synagogue? And they said, yes, sir, it works perfect. And I said, well, how about that? 
we love your nation. And I opened my Bible when I dedicated that place. I opened my Bible to the New Testament, which you don't do if you're preaching to a, a group of uh, of Jewish out of respect. You know, you're not supposed to do that. But I went to Luke 7. I could see him get a little tense. And I said, maybe I can get a blessing today from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because I'm a Gentile that loves this nation and our church has built you a synagogue. And they gave me a standing ovation and they were crying. They were crying. You better hear me. And can I tell you that we had the greatest year this past year in the history of ever, ever, ever we've ever had because we built a school and we built four of those community centers and we are building a hospital on the Sea of Galilee next. Hallelujah. Breaking news. Clap your hands like you believe God honors God blesses. That's our school. That's our school. That's the school you build for the glory of God. Hallelujah. And you know what? They came up to me afterwards, and so many of them were moved to tears. That, that one of those mothers that has four children, and she said, there's something different. We've, had, we've known other evangelical preachers come through, but there's something different. And they weren't saying it out of flattery. They understood we were there to bless them, not to try to do anything but bless them and show them the love of who we know. They don't see it yet. They can't see it yet, who Jesus is. But if we'll love them and we'll do what the Bible said do, there's coming a revival like they cannot believe Messiah will come to Israel. Shout and say amen, somebody. I have, to, I have to be careful now what I say, but we don't just support mighty works like that for the Jewish people, but we have sent hundreds of thousands of dollars this year to the 200 uh, Christian, there are 200 Christian messianic churches in Israel. They preach the New Testament, the New Covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are sending tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds, already over 200 this year to even as I speak, they're having a massive camp on the Sea of Galilee for young adults, and they're having a revival under a big tent, and we sponsored that. We said we will do that, and hundreds of young people are being blessed, and they are being touched by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody give the Lord a praise right now. I will bless those that bless you. You see, the Jewish people have given us the Word of God. Every word in this book was written with Jewish hands. The patriarchs were all Jewish. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Ezekiel, Isaiah. There's not a Gentile in the list anywhere. Paul was a Jew. The great evangelist to the Gentile world was a Jew by the name of Paul the Apostle. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 8, this is so important to understand 
Romans chapter 11. Paul says, do not boast, you bunch of Christians. Do not boast against the tree's roots because the roots are what support you. See, what was happening was people under the new covenant, the blood, the, new, the blood of Jesus Christ, they were boasting against the... Do not boast against the branches, but if you boast, remember that you do not support the roots, but the roots support you. Well, what's the roots of our faith? The roots of our faith is Judaism. The roots of our faith is the Old Testament law. The roots of our faith. And he said, you branches who are bearing all this fruit, don't get so high-minded that you act like you don't need your roots anymore. I don't live in the roots anymore. I'm out here and I'm under a new and better covenant, but I am vitally, I am to be vitally connected to my roots. I am to stay connected to the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. I'm going to explain why in a moment. The 12 disciples were Jewish. The Apostle Paul, John 4 and 22 is an astounding New Testament verse that most Christians don't even understand why we support Israel. He said, you worship, you do not know why, but we worship for salvation, for salvation is of, you'll read right over that, for salvation is of the Jews. Salvation, we know, comes only through the blood and the cross, and Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> and that blood was Jew, was, was God's blood, but it, he was housed in a Jewish body. Christianity cannot exist without Judaism. Without the contribution of Jesus, there is no salvation. And it's time to stop praising all the Jews who have died in the past and ignoring all the Jews who are alive now. You know your future when you look at the past. Joseph and Jesus both have the same Hebrew name, root Hebrew name. Joseph in the Old Testament means Savior. Joseph saved the world from starvation. Jesus came and said, I'm the bread of life, and I'm here to save the world from sin, death, and hell. Joseph was his father's favorite son. Jesus was his father's favorite son. Joseph was rejected by his brothers. Jesus was rejected by his own. Joseph had been sent to the world to save the world. Jesus was sent to the world to save the world. Joseph was thrown into a pit and left for dead. Jesus was thrown into a tomb and left for dead. Joseph was raised to the right hand of Pharaoh and was given the ring and the keys to the corn and the whole kingdom. Jesus was raised and sits at the right hand, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, this is so important. Let me teach this. When Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, he was dressed as an Egyptian. They did not recognize him. He spoke through an interpreter as an Egyptian. 
He had so much garb, so much disguise on, they had not seen him for decades. And when they came, Joseph's brothers, the ones who threw him in the pit, the ones who did him so wrong, they did not recognize him. I'm sure he kept his distance and they were looking at him and they might have seen a little familiarity or something maybe in his eyes, but not enough to recognize and never in their wildest dreams would they think that's their brother. The brothers did not recognize him until the third visit. They came three times, and the third time they came, he revealed to his Jewish brothers he was not Egyptian, but he was, he was, he was their brother. The Jews have come into the land of Israel three times in history. Joshua took them in the first time. After the Babylonian captivity of Nebuchadnezzar, Jeremiah prophesied it, and they all came home from Babylon back in to Israel. And then on May 1948, Israel was born in a day. There's a scripture in Isaiah 66 and verse 8 that says, A nation shall be born in a day. It had never happened before in history, but the United Nations felt sorry for Israel. And in a moment, in one day, a nation was born. They voted to give that little piece of land to fulfill Isaiah 66, who has heard such a thing, who has seen such a thing, that the earth would give birth in one day. A nation will be born at once. That happened in 1948, and we are the generation that is alive, still alive, to see that miracle. And then, a few, about a year ago or two years ago, President Trump declared Jerusalem to be the capital and moved our embassy there. It was a big deal to God. If the man didn't do anything else you like, you ought to thank God because in doing that, he blessed the nation of Israel and God is not through blessing America if we will bless that nation. It's a big deal. Hallelujah. I don't get it when Christians can get un my dad and the preachers of generations before would preach things. If they saw the prophecies being fulfilled about Israel like this generation has seen, they would be going crazy saying, get ready, Jesus is coming. We just have things happen every day. We see the bear, the Russian bear moving in. We see what's happening in the Ukraine. We see all kinds of signs of the times happening, and we sit sleepy and not really informed, but I've come to preach today that this is an exciting time to be alive. I'm not worried about the Antichrist. The book of Revelation is not a horror story. It's a book of how we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's a book about how Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are going to be bound with a chain and thrown into a lake of fire. It's a book about the rapture. It's a book about us meeting the Lord in the air.
and a going to a place called heaven and then coming down and ruling and reigning, not in London, not in Washington, not in New York, but in Jerusalem. Oh, I'm trying to, I said I was going to teach. Take a praise break, everybody, everybody. And it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. You don't understand. It's happening. I'm almost done. But what can I skip? Let, let, let me tell you this. On the third time, that's when Joseph revealed himself. But he did something strange. If you read that, I believe it's in Genesis 45 and verse 1. He calls for the brothers to come, but before he reveals himself, he dismisses. That was a hint. Genesis 45. There you go. Joseph could not restrain himself before his brothers the third time. See, 48 started the third time. You understand what I'm saying? And he couldn't stand it anymore, not revealing himself. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. The, the King James is much better on that one. It says, he said, all the Egyptians or Gentiles leave the room. I'm about to reveal myself to my brothers. What's that? It's called the rapture of the church. And the reason the Jews can't see it right now is because the Gentiles have not been removed. Oh, but I feel like preaching. But one of these days, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the trumpet of God is going to sound. And God's going to say, I can't stand it no more. I want my bride to come home. And I want to reveal myself to my brothers and my sisters. And so... Get, notice what he says, make everyone get out of here. I'm ready to reveal myself to my own. See, they're blinded right now. The Bible clearly says they're blinded. And so once they do that, the Bible said no one stood with him. Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Uh, some translations say he revealed himself. All right. Well, let me, let me just hear me about this. Please listen to this. It, it makes so much sense. They recognized Joseph how? If he was an Egyptian, the Egyptians did not circumcise their sons. The way that he could convince them that he was one of them was through showing the scar of circumcision on his body. And when he showed them his scars, instantly their eyes were open and they began to weep because they realized he is not an Egyptian. He is, oh, 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 uh, we recognize him for who he is now. Zechariah 12 and verse 10 is a powerful prophecy. It says in Zechariah 12 and verse 10, and when they see him whom they have pierced, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son. That is a prophecy about when Jesus reveals and comes back after the seven years. I don't have time to do this, but we're going to get raptured. The first thing that's going to happen, 
is the Antichrist is going to be waiting in the wings. He's alive and well, even as I speak. I believe that. And I believe that at, in any moment, the trumpet's going to sound and the Gentile church are those of us who are under the new covenant, born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, living right, loving God. We're going to be called up, raptured. Millions will be missing instantly. It will wreck the economy. It will cause chaos. It will cause famines. It will cause things going on all over the world. And while, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? Two things are going to happen when we get to heaven instantly in the first, first three and a half years of heaven. We're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a party. I don't know how they party in heaven, but they party, trust me. And God made you, and he knows how to pleasure you. He knows how to bring joy to you. He knows how to bring life to you. He knows, And there's going to be the biggest celebration. And not only that, then there's going to be the, the I don't like, it's called the judgment of the believers, but really it's the reward ceremony. So two things, we'll be rewarded for everything we did, everything we gave, every time we honored, every time you worshiped, every time you came, every time you did anything in the name of the Lord, God says, I got record books and I'm going to remember everything you have done. Let me close with this. But after three and a half years, at that very moment that the church has taken out the Holy Spirit, which restrains the Antichrist will be taken out of the earth. Conviction will lift. Wickedness will rule and reign. Chaos will rule and reign. And the Antichrist will step on the scene with all of the answers. One world government, one world economy, one world religion. That's what he will bring. That's, what, that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. One world, I, I declare I want to preach more than this. I, I, I can't. No, I can't. I can't. But I'm done. But you ought to read Revelation 6, what's coming. Those four horses, they are galloping. <laughs> I'm not a gloom and doom preacher, and this is not a gloom and doom sermon. This is a victory sermon. Let me, let me close with this. Israel has not been replaced. Read Romans 9, 10, and 11. Paul the apostle asked this question in Romans 11 and verse 1. After the cross, has God cast away his people Israel? And then he answers the question, certainly not. Israel has not been replaced. They have been reborn. May 1948. Genesis 15 said Israel is described as the stars of heaven in the dream to Abraham and the sands of the seashore. Two types of children, Abraham. You're going to have the stars in heaven. That's the church. That's the blood bought. And you're going to have the sands of the seashore. That's the Jewish people. And what is the purpose of stars? To give light. Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine among men that they, listen to this, see your good works. 
Do good works. Shine the light. They're the sand. You're the stars. And your job is to shine the light of God's love. You love them. And when the moment is right, I'm going to reveal to them who I am and how I died on the cross and the scars in my body. And they will weep and they will repent and they will turn to me. How do you find the blessing and the favor of God? How do you know that God will fight for you? How do you see God supply all your resources? How do you have favor shine on you like never before? Here it is. If you don't get nothing else out of this sermon, write this down. Find out what God wants blessed and bless it. <laughs> and if you will find what God wants blessed and bless it, the favor of God will outshine any attack the enemy brings on your life. Stand up on your feet and act like you're the bright star right now and just raise your hands and say, Lord, I'm so thankful you engrafted me into the kingdom. Let's just praise him a moment. Let's just thank him a moment. Let's just thank God for his blessings. And let's just pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I don't know exactly why I felt led to preach this message today. But I do believe that God is wanting his favor on his church and his people like never before for kingdom purposes. And I wonder today, with every head bowed and every eye closed and every person still and reverent in the house of God, I wonder today who in this room, I, I wonder today who is not ready for the coming of the Lord? Who, who is not prepared for the trumpet to sound? I'm old-fashioned in that way. I believe you must be born again. And his spirit is here right now. Pastor, I need to get right with God. I want the blessing and favor of God on my... God had such a plan that he chose a nation that was least of the nations and people that was least of the people. And he said, I picked that place, I picked that people, and I will do my purpose. And that's exactly how he feels about you. You may feel inferior, you may feel there are others, but God chose you to be here today to save you and to use you for his purpose but he never comes where he's not invited. Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. If that's you, boldly lift your hand. I want to see it all over the room at every campus. Raise it high and unashamed. Yes, 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 yes. Wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else, raise it high and unashamed. High and unashamed. This is your moment. Pray this prayer with me all the way across the campuses. Lay your hand on your heart, everybody under the sound of my voice, everybody watching online, and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood that you shed. You gave me a new and better covenant. Salvation is of the Jews, and particularly of one named Messiah, Jesus and I put my faith in his blood today. Wash me and cleanse me. Now raise up both hands. And I want everybody who has 
a job, business, you want God to bless and prosper you, raise your hands up high and say, Lord, today I am going to obey and be a blesser of the nation of Israel. I'm going to pray for Israel. I'm going to support Israel. I'm going to back people who support Israel. I'm going to do what I can do because I've heard a clear word from you in Jesus' mighty name. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.